Hello again, everyone. This is Thomas Hughes, joined again by uh, Dr. Theodore Friedman, uh, who has been kind enough to stop by and talk to us about, uh, again, about endocrinology. But this time we're going to discuss the COVID-19 vaccine. Welcome back, Dr. Friedman. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you for having me. All right. So just a few announcements to make uh, announcements to make before we get started. And uh, over the next few weeks, I'm going to have a Dr. Nancy Shipley uh, come to join us and she'll be coming on to discuss her challenges and her successes on the road to becoming an orthopedic surgeon. I will also have an Edie Schreckengast. She is a sports dietitian for the Seattle Mariners, which is a professional baseball team. And she'll be on to give us her perspective on athletes and their relationship with food. I think most of us would assume athletes, uh, just because they appear to be in top physical shape and they exercise regularly, that they don't have any health concerns, but there's more to the story. So um, both of those individuals will be by to speak with us. Uh, for now, we're going to get back to Dr. Friedman. That's all of the announcements that I have. Ready to get started? I'm ready. Thank you, Thomas. Okay, Dr. Friedman, we uh, we met exactly one week ago and uh, we spoke about thyroid health and disease. And uh, for people who have not yet seen that episode, just to give some more information about Dr. Friedman, currently you're the chairman of medicine and chief of endocrinology at Charles Drew University here in Los Angeles. You see patients at Martin Luther King Outpatient Center and you have a private practice in Los Angeles where patients come to see you from all over the world. That is correct. You're a busy man. Busy man. <laughs> well, you returned to the show because you have been very busy, especially since COVID-19. Um, and you're here to talk a little bit about what you've been doing uh, since okay. COVID, uh, the vaccine in particular. So if we could start off with a good baseline understanding, um, can you discuss with us the science and mechanism behind vaccines? I can try to talk about that, yes. So uh, I'm an endocrinologist, but I was involved and still involved in a vaccine trial at Charles Drew University um, and certainly have read up of it, like I think a lot of people. Uh, the two vaccines that are currently FDA approved, one is from Pfizer and one is from Moderna. They work quite similarly to each other and they're what's called mRNA vaccines. An mRNA vaccine is different from most other vaccines we've had, although they've been working, doing the research in mRNA vaccines for several years. So it's not like it's a new technology. It's just really, this is a new successful technology. This is the first one that has actually really worked well. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about how it works so well. So what it does is it's mRNA, which directs the, the cell of a person, the muscle cell, to make the protein that it codes for. It goes to the ribosome. It doesn't go in the DNA. It's not even near a person's DNA. It goes in the ribosome and the ribosome makes what's called the spike protein. Now the spike protein of the uh, COVID-19 virus sticks out and allows the COVID-19 virus to bind to the receptor, the, the ACE, uh, ACE receptor and enter the cell where it infects the, uh, the person and causes all its havoc. So the same area that's involved in Infecting somebody is the area that the vaccine targets. They makes the protein and the protein um, is coded for, it's made by the muscle cells immediately in the arm. And it starts making the protein. 
the vaccine, the, the vaccine, which is the mRNA and the protein itself gets degraded very rapidly. It doesn't stay in your body long. And that's why you can't get COVID. Let me say it again. You cannot get COVID from the vaccine. The vaccine makes the protein, the protein generates antibodies that are specific against this uh, protein, the spike protein. And it also recruits different types of um, immunity cells, B cells and T cells to help fight off the protein that the body recognizes as, as foreign. So therefore the body generates an immune response. And when the patient therefore is exposed to somebody that has COVID, they're for the most part not gonna get sick. They have the antibodies that will wipe out the vaccine before it is able to infect somebody. And this, I'll just make more comments. So this protein I've heard it called um, safe spikes. So normally, again, the spike protein is what's being attacked and it's, it's attacked safely to wipe it out. Just so I'm clear on this, the, the way vaccine, at least the way old vaccines used to work, we would give old or weakened versions of a pathogen. Right. But this time we're not, we're not doing that this time. We're not actually at all. Just giving, right. We're, right. We're, we're just giving the code and our body is going the to code, make. Exactly. The code is going to make part of the protein, not the whole thing. So that's why you can't get sick from it. It just makes this portion that the body has uh, re reacts to by having antibodies. So like you said, the polio vaccine, all the other vaccines we've had, have been either a weakened virus or an altered virus. This is a completely different type of vaccine. Gotcha, gotcha. I think um, the idea of a vaccine tends to scare people, especially mm -hmm. when they hear about, because I, I think that's happened a lot actually, people take the vaccine and then they get sick for a couple of days. Right. Has that happened with some of your with some of your patients where they feel right. sick after a couple of days? Right. Is that, is that so, normal? right. So this vaccine again is unlike different vaccines, but it does get and goes inject in the shoulder. And I've had both the vaccines. I wouldn't say I had pain on my shoulder, but it's sort of like pushed down against my shoulder. It hurt a touch. Um, other people I've know have had it. They've been you know have a pain in their arm for a couple of days. Some of them have a little bit of fever. Some of them have a little bit of swollen lymph nodes. All minor. All um, go away after a period of time and um, all are, are you know quite limiting nobody's died from it and I think the important thing that you're uh, we, we should discuss and I think you're about to ask me this question I'll preempt you is is this vaccine safe and does it work is that a reasonable question yeah that's exactly what I was gonna <laughs> and I'm not just okay, asking for okay. me I'm asking for other people uh, vaccines I think tend right. to scare people <laughs> right so this vaccine has been studied much more than any other vaccine that's ever come to market. And it's interesting, like um, I think it was Sabin or Salk, he, they didn't study it really in people, he just injected it himself, the polio vaccine, and showed the world that it was safe. So we've come a long way from that. The, uh, the vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine was studied in 44,000 people, of which half of them got the vaccine and half of them got the placebo. The Moderna vaccine was studied in a little more than 30,000 people. Half of them got the vaccine, half of them got the placebo. The study started in maybe June or July. So the people have been already been exposed to the vaccine for several months before the public has gotten it. So we're able to look at what happened in these studies. Both of the studies, the Pfizer one and the, and the Moderna one were published in the top journal, New England Journal of Medicine. So there wasn't any hiding of the data you know, the data was clearly uh, shown to the public and it looked at two things. One is it looked at, did the vaccine work? So they looked at the number of cases of people that got the vaccine versus the number of cases that got the placebo. 
the number of patients that got the placebo might have been, let's say, 100, 208, 200 patients got uh, COVID if they got the vaccine. Only 10 of them who got the vaccine got COVID. So they say it was 95% effective. That means it was much more, much more people got the vaccine who got the placebo than who got the, the, the vaccine made from the virus in both the Moderna and the Pfizer studies. In both the Moderna and the Pfizer studies, they gave two shots and that's what's recommended. The separation between who got sick from when they got the placebo and when they got the vaccine, the vaccine, the active vaccine seemed to happen a little bit after, you know, it's happened early, like about 12 days after the first shot, but they really differentiated after the second shot. So we think the two shots are helpful. So it works quite well. It, they tested it, they looked at whether people of color uh, got it, about 10 or 10% were African-Americans and about 20% in the study were Hispanics. They did just as well as Caucasian people. They looked at older people. Older people did just as well as younger people. Males did a little bit better than females, but both did quite well. And also people with pre-existing conditions, diabetes, obesity, um, lung problems, uh, heart problems, they did at least just as well, maybe even a touch better than the people that didn't have those conditions. So the vaccine seems to work in everybody. And the next thing they looked at was the side effects. So we talked about the side effects, the side effects, local side effects in your muscle, the fever. Yes, that happened. About 5% of the population, no, more than that. It was actually, it was up close to 60 or 70% had some kind of pain in their, in their shoulder um, and much more than the placebo group. But they looked then at whether the, these people recovered. They all recovered fine. They looked at down the road, you know, up to maybe two months after the vaccine. And just as many people had died, there was actually more people died in the placebo group than in the vaccine group. They looked at, at serious adverse events like heart attacks and things like that. They were almost exactly the same. So it doesn't look like, you know, at least uh, two months after people got the second shot that people are dropping dead from this vaccine. Now, the good thing about the study, but there's a little bit not so good, is the study is continuing for two years. So we'll be able to see long-term what happens to people. Does their immunity wear off? They did a study um, that was also published in the journal looking at people's immunity, and it seems to be just as well, at least two months after the vaccine shots were given, it didn't fade off. We'll have to see what happens years afterward. Does the immunity decline? Do people start having side effects long-term? Now, the reason why I say it's, it's just, it's uh, unfortunately, but unfortunately, it's a little, it's gonna be a little hard to tell everything because it would be unethical to keep the people on the placebo vaccine, on the placebo vaccine. So those people are gonna get the real vaccine and we won't have them as a comparison group. So we'll know that, that let's say, you know, five people get a heart attack. We don't know if that five people got a heart attack in the, in the vaccine group is more than the people that would have got it in the placebo group. It's probably the same, but we won't have that placebo group to compare it to. But so far it looks quite safe that there's no increased incidence of heart disease or strokes or anything like that. Um, there are some people that get um, re anaphylactic reactions, allergies to it. There's a reporting system called VAERS, V-A-R-E-S, that records the people who have gotten the vaccine. And so far, for example, about 2 million people have gotten the Pfizer vaccine and about 200 of them have gotten some kind of reaction, so a very low number. And only 21 have gotten this anaphylactic reaction where they you know, had trouble breathing. All those people got better within a day. None of them died, none of them had to be hospitalized. They just got an epinephrine shot and were watched and they all did fine. So the vaccine to me, and I've read a lot about this and looked at the articles very carefully, looks both safe and uh, effective. So just to, just to summarize everything, the vaccine has been more well studied than what, what we've actually had in the past. Correct. Right? It's, it's actually very well studied, even though right. the study went 
a, a lot faster than than mm-hmm. any of the studies in the past. We went a lot faster with this for obvious reasons. We needed right. to fast track things. Exactly. But despite the speed at which we went, it's still quite safe. Correct. We're still using the same type of it's a different mechanism, but we're we're still using our own body's defense system. Mm-hmm. We're just giving the body a roadmap to the right. actual virus. Right. Nice. Yeah, I like the way you describe that. Yeah, well, that I mean, that we talked about this at our at our last interview where we talked about antibodies. It's it's right. just our own defense system, but antibodies or whatever other immune, um, whatever pieces of our immune system exist, they're no good if they can't actually see what they're trying to fight. Mm-hmm. But that's what the that's what this vaccine is doing. It's it's exactly. creating proteins that allow for our body to see the virus if it actually enters our body. Correct. Okay. All right. So that's and a, kill I think it that's off a, in the future, right? And kill it off. Yeah. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a good baseline for people to understand, um, you know, exactly what's going on with the treatment so that they understand Mm -hmm. the mechanism and uh, and understand the safety of it all. Because I think there's a lot of there are lots of reports in the news about people being afraid of the vaccine. And, um, you know, so I think that's very good information for people to have. Right. Right. So my next question, uh, let me just want to say one more thing uh, before I move on here. So one out of 20 people got the covid or one out of 20 compared to the placebo group. It's really one out of. Uh, you know, it's, it's like one out of uh, 40,000 people got the COVID, uh, but the people, only one person got somewhat serious and even that person didn't get it too seriously. So even if you do get COVID, it seems to be much more mild, which is very good. And um, it hasn't been proven that you're not contagious, but I think what I've heard, you're gonna be certainly less contagious if you got it, if you're, you're exposed to somebody. If you don't get sick, you really can't spread it. That's good to know, actually. So even even if you get the vaccine, you. COVID can still technically enter your body system, but this time with the vaccine, your body can actually fight it off. Correct. I think that's great information. So uh, my next question is if we, if we have a, if we have medicine or protection from COVID-19, who are the people that are most in need of actually getting this protection or this vaccine? Right. Um, So first of all, I think everybody should get it. And I think the more people get it will prevent other people from getting and eventually wipe out the vaccine. But right now, the vaccine's in limited numbers. I predict, and I think this is reasonable, the uh, Biden administration will be cranking out the, the company, cranking out, paying companies to crank out the vaccine. The two companies, Pfizer and Moderna, I think they'll be getting extra money to really make a lot of the vaccine. Then you have to deliver it to the, to the clinics, and you have to have people in the clinics deliver it to the people. So I expect that to ramp up over the next couple months. I'm not 100% sure, but that's what I expect. So in the meantime, what the uh, both the CDC and in LA, the Los Angeles Department of Public Health decided, the first people will be getting it, and we're in that stage right now, is healthcare providers, including somebody like me, I already got mine because I'm a healthcare provider, as well as nursing home residents and people who work in nursing homes. Uh, that, that's the first group. In Los Angeles, partially uh, due to um, um, the Board of Supervisors putting a vote here, they, they opened it up the next group to people 65 and older. And I agree with that. People 65 and older are more likely to die from it, to get, you know, to get very sick from it. Um, so that makes sense to me. I think you could have started with 75 and older, then go down to 65, but right now it's 65 and older. And this will take a couple, you know, it's probably a month or so in most places, including LA, to get those people to get the vaccine. The next group of people, I, I think, will be people with pre-existing conditions, um, diabetes, obesity, things like that. Um, but a lot of people will be vaccinated because they're 65 already. Um, so that will be the next group. 
And then at some stage, there'll be people that are essential workers. And I think there's a controversy. Should the essential workers, people work as, you know, firefighters and um, garbage men and bank tellers and restaurant owners, should, should they go fat before the people that are sicker? I think people that are sicker should get it first. But I think you can argue both sides of the, the equation here. So I think the next group, it seems to be about 65 and older. That's probably going to take another month or so before those people get it. And then they'll roll it out to more people. Are the, are the elderly just more at risk just because their immune systems just aren't, it's just not as robust as it was when they were in their younger years? Yeah, in the 30s I think that's some of it, but they also have pre-existing conditions. You know, somebody 65 is much more likely to have diabetes than somebody that's 25. Um, they have hypertension, obesity, all those things go up when you're older and all those things make COVID worse. But I think in general, it's also going to be a little bit of a function of their frailer, they have, their immune system's not quite as good. Okay, yeah. And when we talk about pre-existing conditions and obesity, diabetes, all of the pre-existing conditions that I mean that, that I've been hearing the most about um, in the literature and in the news, this a lot of these patients are this is in your patient population. Yeah. Would you say that your patient population is a little bit more at risk than than most than the general population? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So people with obesity, people with diabetes are at higher risk. Both type one and type twos are at higher risk. If they get COVID, they're more likely to die from it or get very sick from it. Um, so those people are at higher risk than the general population. Is there an explanation as to why, say, obesity puts people more at risk than, say, I, I don't know, I don't even can't even think of another condition. Right. Asthma. Um, there, there, there's speculations, you know, so again, people have usually have these things together. Somebody has obesity, they usually have hypertension. They often have diabetes. It's possible that their respiratory muscles don't work as well because of obesity. Possible their immune system doesn't work as well. I think it's a very a combination of factors. Okay. Okay. And what, uh, what sort of questions do you usually get about the vaccine? What are some common misconceptions so, you know, first one, is it way. safe? Does it work? Um, you know, I don't want to be a guinea pig. And I heard that you don't want to be a guinea pig. It's true, but you're not a guinea pig because already, you know, 2 million Americans have gotten it and, you know, maybe 20 million around the world have gotten it. So you're not a guinea pig. It's, it's, you don't want to be the last person on the block to get it. I think that's more important to be in the, we've already passed the stage. You're not going to be the first person. So you don't want to be the last person to get it. Yeah, um, so be somewhere know, in the middle. Be somewhere, be somewhere in the middle. middle. <laughs> right. As soon as it's your turn, you should get it. Uh, you know, the more people get it, it's really going to have this concept about herd immunity, that there won't be anyone to get infected. If everybody has antibodies to it, the virus will die out. And I think that's what we're all hoping for. One of the best treatments, again, that I've been hearing about is just having an overall improved, mm -hmm. just improved general health. Right. Okay. And again, I think this is something that you deal with regularly in, in your, your area of practice. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend to people? Like, what's your approach for people who need to improve their health, whether with medications or without medications? How do you right. usually approach that? Yeah, so that's a great question. I think some of it borders on, on what you do, Thomas. So I think people need good mental health and good physical health. And COVID has been very detrimental for people's mental health and physical health. People are, you know, somewhat rightfully so. They're staying in their house more. You know, they're not going out. They're not being with friends. And I think people are social people for the most part. They thrive with people. So you have to make up for it by, you know, calling your friends, Zoom things, things like that. You know, people, people aren't going to the gym. So I go on my, um, you know, two and a half hour bike ride every Thursday night with a couple of my friends, you know, we're, we're separate from each other. That feels great, you know. So people need to do the diet and exercise and sort of the socialization. Um, the people that just stay in their house, they're not going to do too well. 
and they're going to get sicker when they get the COVID. Um, so people should, uh, you know, eat well, especially now when they're tied up in their house, there's a tendency, you know, to do your, maybe you're home all the time. You can just go in the kitchen, um, get some junk foods, um, try to eat, you know, lots of vegetables. Um, I cook a soup every day, try to eat, you know, eat things like that. Uh, no, no processed food, little processed foods, lots of fruits and vegetables, lots of healthy foods. Yeah, I think one of the the toughest things for people when they're trying to get on a new exercise routine or start a new diet is is just getting started. Mm -hmm. That's the hardest thing. Yeah. And uh, if we all as doctors, yourself, myself included, can find ways to get people motivated to uh, to make some changes. um, That's that's again, that's the hardest part (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, because you need a reason to do it. And I think COVID uh, COVID-19 seems to be one of the uh, the biggest reasons for people to make some changes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll have to see how things shake out over the next year or two. Right. Um, okay, yeah, I think that might be all the questions um, that I have for you today. We, okay. we talked about a lot, I think. Um, yeah. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you. So just I want to emphasize, really, people should, you know, go out and get the vaccine. If you have questions, you know, talk to your doctor about it. Um, you know, do you talk to people that have gotten already? Um, I think it's really going to be, uh, the, the only thing that's going to end this epidemic is going to be people getting vaccines and keep, um, you know, keep social distancing, keep, um, keep wearing the mask outside with the, you know, groups, um, be safe, think smart, be smart. Yeah. Thanks for, I think you gave some great information. If you uh, want to get in touch with Dr. Friedman, uh, you can find him on his website at uh, goodhormonehealth.com. Yes. Thank is you, that, Thomas. Is that correct? Yes. And uh, again, you, uh, you're, you're currently working at Charles Drew university and MLK outpatient center. You're uh you're an accessible guy. I appreciate you. you for okay <laughs> for talking to me and the public. Okay, thank you so much, Thomas. We'll see you in a bit. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye.